KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. It's okay if you're wondering how the COVID-19 vaccine got here so fast. It was record time after all. And when you're ready, here's your answer. No steps were skipped. No shortcuts were taken. Years of research and determination paid off. Let's get you there. Let's get to immunity. Learn more at vaccinateall58.com or call 833-422-4255. Brought to you by the California Department of Public Health. The caring staff at Mac Flavor Ingredients reminds everyone to please take the opportunity to give blood. By doing so, you may save the life of a friend, child, elderly person, surgery patient, or an accident victim. So give blood. It's safe, simple, and saves lives. This important reminder is a courtesy of Mac Flavor Ingredients in Riverside, where they care about the safety and welfare of our community. Be a silent hero, and if you can, give the gift of life. Give blood. If you're looking for a full or part-time sales position and you have radio, TV, or print media experience, KCAA has a great opportunity waiting for you that pays the highest commissions in the market. KCAA is the only station in the IE that broadcasts on three frequencies, so advertisers receive three ads for one low rate. This makes KCAA a must-buy for every local business. If you're interested in a sales position with us, email CEO at KCAARadio.com. California Comfort Heating and Air Conditioning has a very important message for our women listeners. Each year, many women are diagnosed with breast cancer. However, if detected, early steps can be taken toward the prevention and treatment of cancer. So schedule a mammogram. This just may save your life. That's from California Comfort Heating and Air Conditioning, your heating and air conditioning professionals for your residential and commercial needs. From custom duct design to emergency service as close as your phone. Call Chris for bids and estimates at 951-784-4444. That's 951-784-4444. On the air because they care. Attention Medicare recipients and anyone turning 65. Medicare has approved new benefits not included with original Medicare and older Medicare Advantage plans. You may not be getting all of the benefits you're entitled to, including in-home aids, telephone appointments with your doctors, home-delivered meals and prescriptions. These benefits may be available and it's a free call to enroll. The new plans may also offer free eyeglasses, free hearing aids, free wellness visits, and gym memberships. Call the Medicare Benefits Line now. It's easy. Call 800-518-2281. 800-518-2281. Find out if you're eligible for new benefits like meal and prescription delivery, in-home aids, and telemedicine. Some plans may have a $0 monthly premium or zero copays for big out-of-pocket savings. Not all Medicare Advantage plans are alike. The new plans have more benefits for many people. Call 800-518-2281. Medicare Clarified. Hi, this is George Litchfield with Litchfield Insurance Associates. Well, it's getting close to that time of year again where you want to make sure you're getting the most out of your Medicare plan. There are exciting new plans for 2022 with United Healthcare, SCAN, and others. For your no-obligation review, people are calling 
951-314-1949. If you're turning 65, new to the area, or losing group coverage and have questions about Medicare, you are invited to our new offices and resource center at the Sundance Corporate Center, 835 Highland Springs Avenue, Suite 305 in Beaumont. For your no-cost Medicare consultation, people are calling 951-314-1949 to get their Medicare clarified. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pau de Arco Tahibo Tea helps build the red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. A one-pound package of tea is $34.95 plus shipping. To order, please visit TahiboTeaClub.com. Tahibo is spelled T like Tom, A-H-E-E-B like boy, O, then continue with the word T, and then the word club. The complete website is TahiboTeaClub.com. Or call us at 818-610-8088, Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5, California time. That's 818-610-8088. K-C-A-A. Welcome to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show, created and hosted by Scott Knudsen, to explore the crossroads of horses and the business world. Now here's your host, Scott Knudsen. So welcome to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. Thank you for joining us today. I'm your host, Scott Knudsen, and we have got a great show today, a very exciting show, a very special guest, Ashley Avis, director, screenwriter, editor for the brand new motion picture, Black Beauty which is going to be premiered November 27th on Disney+. Plus. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Scott. So I've been looking so forward to having you on the show and just to talk about not only the entertainment piece that you do, the entertainment work, but also the horse part and put it all together to make this great movie. So uh, let's just get started. So how did you start in the industry? I always knew I wanted to become a writer. I read a lot of, I was a, 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 an avid reader growing up and I loved poetry and I loved, of course, great novels like Black Beauty by Anna Sewell and The Black Stallion by Walter Farley. And those books really shaped my whole life because they inspired me, inspired me to want to pursue the career that I'm now pursuing and, um, and they inspired my love of horses. So it was to, to now be directing a, a project like Black Beauty that can inspire a whole new generation of horse lovers is really, really, really special. So it was always writing from the beginning. I was a journalist in New York for a little while. I worked a number of different odd jobs. I was a real estate agent. I taught wedding couples how to ballroom dance in New York City. I ran a wedding company. <laughs> Anything to stay afloat in New York when you're in, when you're in school. And um, But always, always wanted to write. And then when I moved out to Los Angeles, I saved up a little bit of money. I, I shot a spec pilot. And because I couldn't pay for a director or a producer, I took those roles on myself. And that was when I was around 22. And that was the window into realizing that I really loved working with actors. And I loved uh, executing my own writing in a visual sense. Oh, that's so wonderful. That's, it's, it's amazing all the jobs you do to find that right path that just takes yeah. you on, on board to where you're going to go for your, for your last work, for your career. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so interesting. So did you have horses growing up? 
I did, yes. I had three different horses over the course of my young adult life. Kachina, who's a little buckskin, buckskin uh, quarter horse. I had Whisper, who is a Welsh pony thoroughbred cross. And then I had Tarantella, who is a, a, a warm blood thoroughbred cross as well. Oh, wow. Wow. So what did you ride? Did you ride Western, English, or a little bit of everything? A little bit of everything. I started with Western and then I progressed into English and I did some hunter jumper when I was younger. So I competed a little bit and then my kind of took a turn when I was 18. And instead of going to school in Florida, I went to school in New York and horses were then, you know, such a big part of my life growing up. And then they were out of my life for about a little over a decade. And then black beauty happened and everything was brought back in, in a really powerful way. What a blessing. What a blessing. So, so how did black being come to be? Were you looking to do a movie or was it a chance encounter or what, what is the story behind the story? So you'll appreciate it as an entrepreneur because, you, you know, when you're building your business, it takes a while. And I, when I was getting started, like I said, I worked a number of different odd jobs just to, just to start getting a foothold to realize what I really wanted to do as a writer. I fell in love with screenplays while I was in college. And I, throughout, for about 10 years, I was started building a portfolio of commercial work as a director. I started my first production company, which was called Alchemy Pictures. And, you know, the first clients were ones that weren't paying a lot. And I was building up my visual style and my business. And eventually those clients got a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. And eventually I met my now um, husband and producing partner, Ed. And we teamed, we joined forces and he was from the finance world. And so finally I had someone that I could not only implicitly trust, but somebody that could help me on the producerial side. And so when Ed and I started working together, we were able to raise the money for our first couple of independent films. And then that gave me the body of work to start getting into bigger rooms and taking bigger meetings. And it was meeting producer Jeremy Bolt to everything happened with Black Beauty. It was just very serendipitous. Wow. So was he looking to do a a horse movie or were you wanting to do one or did it just kind of come just from talking over lunch? It came from a general meeting in, in, in Los Angeles. If you're you know, lucky enough to be able to get into those meetings, you have the opportunity to either pitch something or talk about a script that you love or you've written, or hopefully the executive has something and they like your work enough to maybe uh, you know, talk about a project that they might have or the, yeah. or the ends awkwardly. But most of the time they go, they go pretty well. And I, I went in to talk to, Jer- to Jeremy Bolt, who you know, he's, he's had enormous success as a producer. He's, he's done the Resident Evil franchise that has grossed a billion plus. And I walked in there with, and neither of us really hadn't, a, he had seen one of my indie, indie films and he had liked it. And we just started talking about movies and that had inspired us growing up. And the, the story has always been, I just, we started talking about, I, I brought up the Black Stallion and the scene on the beach and that moment of beautiful cinematography and beautiful filmmaking coupled with such an intense emotional moment between a human and a, and a horse and score that scene is like five minutes set to score. And it's such a masterpiece, but it also elicits such a beautiful feeling about the connectivity with a human and a horse. And so I, I rambled on about that. And Jeremy said, you know, my partner and I have wanted to remake black beauty for 10 years. If you have a take, let me know. And I had an idea right in the room and I, and I sent in a pitch a few days later. And just like when things are really meant to be, you know, you put in all of those years of hard work and build the foundation and, building a visual style and a business and staying afloat on top of all of that, trying to get clients. And finally, 
I remember I, I, I came home and I said, this is the project because as a filmmaker, you're looking for that project that just, whether it's you do a small indie film with a small budget, it goes and wins Sundance and it's like a runaway. And that didn't quite happen with our first, I'm very proud of our indie movies, but we didn't, we, they weren't like the rocket fuel that you look for trying to break into this really difficult industry. Right. And I came home and I told Ed, this is the project this was the thing that shaped my life as a young person and to do this now. And so I just hoped that the producers liked my pitch and Jeremy did. And it was, uh, it was just really serendipitous how quickly it then went from there. Oh, it's so organic, it sounds like, but it took all of those life instances and all those different jobs, the ballroom dance teacher and everything else to get to that point to have the opportunity. And that's <laughs> so inspirational for people to see, you know, it's not just a one way one way to get there you know it takes multiple paths to get to that certain spot yeah for sure <laughs> that's amazing so so whenever you figured out about the movie and y'all ago so what location or how did you pick the location that the movie was shot where it was shot so picking the locations for black beauty so we filmed in south africa but the movie is based in the western u.s and then in uh primarily in upstate new york very cool very cool so for, go ahead i'm sorry <laughs> South Africa doubles extremely well for for the Western U.S. The topography is really really similar, and um, and all Cape Town and in, or, in and around Cape Town, they just have these very timeless locations, and there's just this there's there there's a there's an elegance to shooting there, but it doubles really well for a lot of the U.S. Wonderful, wonderful. So as far as the cast, now how did you go to that? As far as not only Black Beauty, but as far as the, the humans. I mean, so both with the horses and the humans, how did you figure out the casting part? So beauty, beauty's voice was absolutely critical because you, we, I very much wanted someone that had elegance and intelligence and all the, the, all the traits of the Mustang spirit. It's elegance, intelligence, a fiery nature, a very strong will, an unbreakable will. And so when you think about who, who embodies that as a person, who embodies that as a voice, the, the list was, to me, really short. And I grew up adoring Kate Winslet. I, I think that she's just, she's, she's an absolutely incredible actress and she, she embodied all of the qualities I wanted for beauty. And so when I write screenplays, I try really hard not to think about anyone in those roles because you never know with our business if, if schedules conflict or just things don't work out. I, I personally, as a writer, try not to think about anyone for the role unless I'm writing it for them. And that kind of happened by accident. The minute I got Kate Winslet's voice in my head, as beauty, I ended up writing the role for her. I just, and of course it's Kate Winslet, you know, the likelihood of her saying yes, but then she ended up saying yes. And it was just, I didn't believe it until they announced it. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So that was really, really special for someone like that to respond to something that you've written as a, as a filmmaker. And then Mackenzie, the role of Joe Green was, was similar in a lot of ways. I wanted those same traits and I wanted to cast someone that little girls could look up to. That was just a really good example. And Joe has those same traits. She, she goes through this trauma, but she comes out stronger on the other side with this incredible bond with Black Beauty. And a 17-year-old casting someone that could play 17 authentically, and then later in life, in their mid-20s, the gap wasn't, the age gap wasn't big enough I felt and Jeremy felt to justify casting two different people. So it was a really specific role. And then I saw Interstellar again with my husband and I saw around the casting process and I, and I, and I saw 
Mackenzie as young Murph and the power that she carried with her in her performance as a young person in that film. And I just said, that's Joe, that's Joe, that's Joe. And luckily the same thing happened. She really responded to the screenplay and she said, yes. Oh, wow. It just seems like all the, all the parts of the puzzle just came together as they should, you know, throughout the process. Yeah, very much so. Wonderful. So Scott will be right back with more. Hi, I'm Scott Knutson, host of the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. Today, we're going to talk about something I'm really passionate about. Those that know me know I love my coffee. Those that don't, now you know I do. And we've been working on this for several months, and we, we wanted to get it just right. And we don't put our name on anything unless we feel 100% certain it's, it's the best product we can get. And uh, we, we've done it. I really believe we've done it. We've created a coffee line, 13 great flavors. I'm gonna show you three of them. We have K-Cups in all 13 flavors. Here's a Jamaican Me Crazy. It's a, just a really great coffee. Everyone has great logos. It has a brand, the same brand that's on our horses, our trailers. You know that brand means something and we wouldn't put it on here if it wasn't good coffee. We have whole bean. This is a great Honduran blend and uh, it's a whole bean coffee. We have whole bean in all 13 flavors. And then we have a ground coffee. Uh, this is a really great one. My wife and I really like this a lot, loved it. So we named it after our daughter, Hayes Glenn. Everyone has the packaging and the logo of the show, our brand, and I hope you like it. I, I really believe you will. And we're gonna have more flavors coming out soon. We're gonna have the pumpkin spices and then we're gonna to go to peppermint after that. And please send us your suggestions as well. You can find it at cowboyentrepreneur.shop. Think coffee shop, cowboyentrepreneur.shop. Thank you so much. So, so what breed is Black Beauty? What breed did you use in the movie to represent Black Beauty? So Beauty, I really wanted to cast a thoroughbred as the main Black Beauty, and we had four main beauties. Two of them are 90% of the movie, Spirit and Jenny. And I didn't know this, but there, aren't a lot of, there weren't a lot of thoroughbreds as options in South Africa and Cape Town. And so they ended up casting four, four thoroughbreds that were off the track, thoroughbred mares. And with a 10-week training schedule for all of the different things you'll see in the film, there's no CG, there's no faking it in the movie. Everything was, was real. The, the river scene, for example, beauty races the river. It's just what, they, what the trainers were able to do with those horses was extraordinary. Oh my goodness. So you were telling one story yesterday uh, as far as the Liberty trainers with Cody and the river scene. I'm glad you brought that up where he couldn't use one of the beauties because she loved him too much. That was such a beautiful moment on set when I, it really impacted me with just tr Cody's training style. So I learned so much from Cody during, during the process and the character of John, a lot of Cody's speech and the things I learned from him in pre-production, I, I was constantly sitting there rewriting the script because I would hear Cody say something and think that's John, that's, that's perfect for John. But this, the, the moment at the river, where I loved using Spirit for the runs because not only was she so, she's so fast, but just Grace and she, all horses, I feel like, you know, it, the most beautiful thing in the world is a Absolutely. horse. And, 
But Spirit, particularly out of the four beauty, she was the fastest and she just, she loves to run. And I liked using her in those scenes. But Cody said on the day, because he was rehearsing with a few of the horses, usually we had two for, for each scene, no matter what, that could do the same trick. And he, he came up to me before we shot it. And he goes, the reason we can't use Spirit today is because you know, we tried this, we tried this run at a trot and she's not looking where she's going. And if I have her do the whole run where I, you know, she's at one end and I'm, you know, she can't even see me. She's going to race as fast as she can to get to me because she loves me. And I'm, I'm worried that she could get hurt because she's not going to look where she's going. The reason we're going to use awards is because not that awards doesn't love me, but awards was just a really careful horse. And he said, awards will look where she's going. And she might not go as fast. She might not do the, the glorious gallop, but that's the horse that we're going to use. And as I usually said to Cody, when we had any you know, conversations like that, it was okay. Let's use awards. And awards did canter. <laughs> he knew. That's what she did. Yeah, but that's just such a, it's such an, a beautiful example of how we approach the horses and the safety and the horses and the actor's safety was always just imperative at all times. I love that. I, I love that so much. And it's so great to see how the different horses are just different, you know, just like people, you know, and, and, and having that safety around, like you say, but just the trainability of the horse and the horse wanting to do the right thing. It's, yeah. it's so incredible to hear. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. So, so the roundup scene, can we talk a little bit about that? It's just such a powerful scene and, and I've been on roundups. I, I know what it's about. I know what it's like. And if it's done right, it's a wonderful thing. Can you just talk a little bit about what that, that experience was like from one of your three different areas of the movie? Sure. It was really, for me, it was really emotionally um, difficult to film that because like you've been to them I've been to them too, and the real ones, and I filmed them. And, you know, just the, the low-flying helicopters and how close they come into the horse's eyes and then the mass holding. And, um, and so we rehearsed that scene for, for several days. We had horse-safe paths dug into the location where the horses always went from point A to point B. So there was never like a, a, like a path where they would actually curve down the mountain or anything. We, we shot that in segments. But when we actually had them go from point A to point C, which was from where they were being held down into the makeshift um, trap site, that particular run, it, it was just, it was, and I wanted it to be like this. It feels very real, but having seen the real ones, it just, yeah, it was, it was painful to watch because you just, you feel the emotions that you do at a real roundup. But, um, but yeah, it was rehearsed for, for three or four days and then we had three shots at it at, for safety for the, we were always c conscious of the temperature that it was on set. And so we ended up doing it three times with multiple cameras, different angles, two drones in the air, every angle covered to be able to capture that. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. It, it's just amazing the, the, how, how to capture that. And when you can bring that for someone that's never seen it safely yeah. to someone that can see it, it's just, it's, it's great for people to get to, to witness that. Um, yeah. You also told, uh, talked about a funny story about trying to get a mare in foal. Maybe she's going to have a foal. And, and I, I've been in the, in the business, too, so I know we stayed up all night waiting to watch the mare have her first yeah. foal. And, and, uh, but go ahead. I don't want to talk to your no, story. not at all. We, everyone on the crew dubbed that the nightmare. There were a lot of <laughs> A lot of horses, but uh, yeah, we. I really wanted to film a live birth, and we had two mares that were supposed. To, they were due around the same time, so we had the crew on standby for two weeks, and we had built this this beautiful pasture around the tree in an actual corral um, it, at the at the ranch these mares were at. 
and they were both really late. And, uh, you know, we had the whole crew on standby for, you know, a, a call in the middle of the night. If it was 4 a.m., the whole, you know, the small crew was going to was gonna rush there and very, you know, from a distance safely film. And, uh, and eventually we had to pull the plug because we just, you know, it, like we just couldn't afford to keep yeah. people on standby. But something beautiful happened after we pulled the plug at a neighboring place. Uh, a little, a little colt was born in the likeness of beauty with this perfect little white star and a little back back sock. And we ended up filming him a little bit. He was about 22 hours old. So some of that footage is actually in the film. Very cool. Very <laughs> cool. Yeah. It's, it's something, you know, nature gets in the way sometimes, you know, your best plans and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing that horse is just down the road, though. That's really neat. Thank that, you. That's yeah. really neat. So you're an entrepreneur along with your husband. You all own your own uh, production company and uh, Whitestone Pictures. Can you tell us kind of how you went from doing, doing being an independent producer to now you own your own production company. Now you're making major motion pictures. So how did, how did you get that? And well, when I was starting out, I figured, because I was always, when I was younger, I was always developing little businesses from, I, I started my web design company when I was 15, actually. And, um, and so I, I figured I don't want to be reliant. This was early on in my career. I, I didn't want to just be reliant on having, it's hard to get an agent or a manager. And at that time, I didn't have either. So I, but I, I wanted to explore my visual style. I knew after that first little spec project that I mentioned, and I directed actors for the first time and worked with actors in that way for the first time, I knew that that was it. And so how to, how to get past running a web design company and doing all sorts of different odd jobs, I wanted to build a business. I wanted that to be something that could grow as I grew. And so it was, it was a matter of starting with really small clients and then building that up. And if I had camera gear for an extra day, because sometimes in our industry, you can, you can rent stuff for the weekend. So if I had a, a commercial shoot on a Saturday, I put together a, a spec project on a Sunday. And I was constantly filming and just adding to my portfolio. So that ended up growing into, uh, growing into Winterstone Pictures. And now we're you know, fortunate to have some major commercial clients and we're, we're doing some bigger things. You know, it takes time to grow that. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's such a great story. And it's good for people to hear that. You know, once again, it's, it's steps. And all yeah. the steps lead to the, to the bigger step. And uh, yeah. that's really, really cool. So, so you started a nonprofit. You're, you're so busy. So you started a nonprofit called Wild Beauty Foundation. Would you mind just talking a little bit about that? We're going to put some information about the foundation at the end so all the people that watch can support, support the foundation. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, it was, it was amazing because at the very beginning of this journey, we realized, Ed and I, my, my husband and partner and all things, we realized really quickly that the messaging within beauty, just like in Anna Sewell's novel, she really transformed our understanding of animal empathy by publishing something that was, that was really revolutionary sure. um, at the time. And she protected the horses of her time. And, and in making beauty a wild horse in the film, it, that was a choice that very much in a modern day sense parallels what Anna Sewell wanted to do. I very much hope that people see beauty and they think if they don't know about the wild horse issue, they think, Oh my gosh, that's happening to horses in our country. And they're, you know, the helicopter and it's in the holding. So I really hope to honor why Anna Sewell wrote the novel in the first place with Black Beauty coming out. So we realized we would have a platform and we didn't know at the time it would be Disney acquiring the movie, which is just absolutely extraordinary. It's completely surreal. And, you know, and the trailers coming out, the posters, but we thought it's going to be a beautiful movie, but we can make a difference and we can use this for 
for good and hopefully to enact some change. So for three years, we've been conceiving the Wild Beauty Foundation, and I built the website <laughs> and launched it recently. And, and we're excited to grow from there. So we've been rescuing horses. We're up to 20 horses and one donkey that we've rescued so far. But the, the core and the heart of the Wild Beauty Foundation, I really want to get to kids. I want to get to younger people. Mm -hmm. I want the voices of tomorrow to start making change now. And I think to do that, we it's through educational programs and it's through illumination and it's through powerful and strong messaging that's also elegant and graceful and and appealable to young people. So right. that's what I'm excited to do with the Wild Beauty Foundation. That, that's so awesome. I feel the same way. I think the youth and that generation is so important to carry on not only the traditions, but improve on them. Yeah, yeah. and I think that that's a key. You can have traditions and respect the traditions, but to improve, like you're saying, with education and with passion, um, and it's great that you're doing that. that. That's really wonderful. And you have a fundraiser coming up too, I believe. We do, yes. We're going to do a virtual uh, virtual talk with myself and Cody Rossen-Harris, our Liberty trainer from Black Beauty. So I'll be in Los Angeles. Cody will be tuning in from Australia, and that's December 12th. So you can check out the Eventbrite tickets at wildbeautyfoundation.org. And he'll be talking all about his process of training Black Beauty, and we'll open it up at the end for a Q&A. Oh, fun. That's going to be so exciting. And it's so great for everybody around the, not only the country, the world to get to experience that and talk to the, the screenwriter and a director and also a, a, a horse trainer that's accomplished, you know, that's, that's amazing to get to do that. So thank you. Thank yeah, you. definitely. So how long was the process from, from the first conversation at that lunch to November uh, 27th when, when the premiere starts? It's it for our world. It's unbelievably fast, but just like with serendipitous things, not that there weren't challenges along the way, but for the most part, beauty flowed. It flowed so quickly, and just I worked really well with Jeremy creatively, and uh, so it'll be three years and a week from the first meeting that we had to release, which is, I mean, that's outrageously fast. That's really fast. That's really fast. Well, I'm so excited for you, Ashley, and thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. And I know everybody watching just really enjoy the show, and I know they can't wait to see Black Beauty. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. For more information on Scott Knudsen, the Cowboy Entrepreneur, visit us online at cowboyentrepreneur.com.
Welcome back to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. Here's your host, Scott Knudsen. Today, today we have a great show, a fun show. Who doesn't like wood? Wood underwear. Teresa Zimmerman is our guest today, and she is the founder of Wood Underwear. Teresa, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so happy to be here, Scott. Thank you. That is awesome. So, so how did you get involved in the industry? Yeah, oh, God. You, well, so, so first of all, let's just talk about why I'm here, right? Oh, so okay. you want to you wanna tell them the news or should I? I'm going to let you do that. That's okay. All right. Well, we got, uh, we got a, a new brand ambassador, Cowboy uh, Scott, and uh, he's going to be hanging out on his horse in wood underwear. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And we, we love it. And thank you so much for the, for the relationship and the partnership. And, and, and we do love it. It is, uh, I'll tell you what, it's, uh, it's tried and true nine hours in the saddle and it still feels great. And, and, uh, it's just high quality. It's so comfortable, but I can't talk enough good things about it for sure. And I'm really honored to awesome. be here. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Part of yeah. the team. So, so how did, how did I get involved in How did I get into men's underwear? In the industry. I, um, I mean, it's kind of a loaded question, right? I mean, I've been trying to get into men's underwear all my life. <laughs> my whole life has turned into a pun fest since That's I've been good. doing this. Right? Um, in in all seriously, all seriousness, it it happened, you know, by accident, as many amazing things do. So I couldn't have written it, but you know, it did follow a path, and um, there was a certain point. Gosh. Um, 2011, end of 2011 already. Um, we're, we've been around that long. I, uh, I was exploring opportunities, um, did a bunch of collaborations. Wood Underwear came out of her, or a version of Wood Underwear came out of it. Um, I tried to ignore it. My husband wouldn't let me. So uh, and then I thought, okay, well, how hard can it be to go sell a few pair of underwear? And, um, you know, I mean, eight years later, almost nine years later, here we are. So we started in... Uh, January 2012 and it's been it's been a journey fun it's, journey that's so exciting though it's so exciting you got to do it you know you said I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna get in this this market and I'm gonna be successful and you did it that's so wonderful yeah well I mean I don't know if you've experienced this but sometimes it's better to not know what you don't know absolutely so um, you know, I think if you know too much, sometimes you would avoid a lot of it, <laughs> but, uh, it's, uh, it has been so much fun. It's, it's, it's been great. I learned something I would say every day without exaggeration. I learned something every day. That's the greatest part about, you know, being an entrepreneur and being, um, in business is you learn. And if you want to learn, there's something there to learn for sure. Yes. For sure. So how did you come up with the name Wood Underwear? Oh gosh. Well, so, uh, I mean, we're having fun with it, right? So, you know, we're having fun with the, the metaphor, but, um, they, there, there's more to the story. Um, the fabric we deal with are like wood viscous fabrics, um, uh, tensile, uh, blends with cotton, modal blends with cotton, modal and tensile are both wood viscous products. They offer the technical, um, parts of the fabric, the wicking and the moisture control and the odor control and the um, thermoregulation properties. And I mean, you can start talking all kinds of technicalities. It's a, it's a German technology. Lensing is the German company and we, we blend it with cotton. Um, and then, uh, and then it's just a matter of, you know, trying to catch somebody's eye with a name. Right. And I think we do that really well, but then we back it up with a really great product. Uh, absolutely. It's terrific. And there's some that even have cashmere, correct? 
Yes, we do a luxe line. We do one color every year for the holiday season. Um, so we do a lounge pant and a lounge uh, Henley. This year is a Henley and, and a pair of underwear as well. In a, um, it's, a, it's a cashmere modal elastane blend. It's about 12% cashmere. So um, you can throw it in the washer and dryer. It's, I mean, it's super cool. It's luxury, but affordable luxury. It's a great product. For it's that person who has everything, they do not have cashmere underwear, probably. <laughs> but they should. They should. Yeah, absolutely they should. Uh, I'm a better person for it, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah. so, so what did you do before wood underwear? What, what, what's your background? My background is um, brand and marketing, all kinds of uh, areas, um, lots of different agencies, um, and mostly dealing with B2B, you know, corporate, um, big global businesses, um, about as far as you can get from anything to do with shopping and to do with underwear. So it's, uh, it, it is... Um, very different but you know the principles of branding and marketing apply to everything and um yeah so it's it's that part of it's comfortable for me and um everything else i'm having to learn so yeah well it shows through the work everything is just great you know your social yeah. media platforms and it's just easy and it's fun and, yeah. and i have a lot of amazing people helping too so it's it's really it's really been it's been a a labor of love that's awesome. So, so we have entrepreneurs watching and we have some maybe want to be entrepreneurs watching. So, okay. so being successful in, in this industry and an entrepreneur, what are some of the tips, maybe, maybe a learning experience they can, you can help sh maybe shed some light on? Be brave, right? I mean, you probably could say that too, right? With everything that you do. Um, I mean, you've got to be brave and you've got to, um, I, you know, it's, it's almost as simple as just start. Right. You just have to start. Right. Um, you can do all kinds of risk mitigation. You can do all kinds of planning. But at the end of the day, you're not really going to know what you're up against and whether you're up for it until you start. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, for me, it is for me, it's I'm, I'm not risk averse necessarily. I'm I'm more I have to think about being risk averse instead of thinking about just going and doing. So I kind of have the opposite of problem of many of my friends. Um, so I, you know, I've got the sign on my desk. It says, think, then jump, because it's my reminder that that's the order it probably should go in. <laughs> so, um, so for me, you know, if somebody says, you know, yeah, you should go do it. They probably should say, Hey, you should go plan that. Right. Whereas I find myself telling people, yeah, you should just go do it because they've already done all the planning. So right. there's a little bit of both of those things. Right. I, I think that's what makes you so special is that you just get out there and you do it and then you figure out a way to make it successful, you know, and, and, and uh, that's part of the part of, there's so many potential entrepreneurs. They just have to go out there and try it and work yeah. really, really hard. Yeah. And I think you, I think if you understand your own risk tolerances, then you can kind of, you know, forget the business part of it, like your own personal and maybe family risk tolerances. Um, then you can, then you're, then you can allow yourself a little bit more freedom to do that. Um, and then you've got to also be okay to fail, right? What's the worst thing that can happen, right? Absolutely. I mean, can I try this for a year and if I can get it to this point, then yeah, I can continue. Right. And then if it doesn't work, then don't beat yourself up. I mean, most, most endeavors don't, aren't, uh, 
you know, n- not everybody gets to turn into the next Amazon or Apple, right? So, sure. or Uber or whatever, you know, whatever company you look up to. So it's, uh, but there's a whole lot of small businesses out there that do super, super well that you can consider successful, even if they were only successful for three years and somebody decided, hey, I tried that. For me, it was successful, but time to shut down. Yeah, that's right. You know, you're, you're so right. You got to do it. You got to follow your passion. That's, that's the main thing. And, and, yep. you know, it's good for people to, to see you. And that's why I was so excited uh, to see you and hear from you and about a successful brand out there because um, it is a journey. And it never really stops. I don't know how long you, you know, you're in business. It doesn't really matter, but every single day there's something else going on. And Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, so this is how much I didn't know when I started. I'm just, I'm just going to give you a little insight into this. It's actually a little frightening, um, you know, in talking about it so openly now to think about that was my reality back, you know, nine years ago. <laughs> so, like I had, I had products coming in, from overseas into what I hoped I picked as the right port, right? Oh my. I had no idea how I was going to get it from that port to where. I didn't know what the processes were to do that. I mean, I figured there were people who specialized in that, and absolutely there are. Um, I figured I was going to have to climb some fence, drag a truck in there, figure out which container it's in, drag it out, somehow get it to a storage unit, and I was going to be, you know, picking and packing orders and taking them to the post office every day. Um, that uh, fortunately is not the case, but, um, but that's what I knew at the time, right? And so, and, and even it landed and I have some amazing friends who, uh, when they heard what I was doing, they proactively called me and said, hey, what are you doing about 3PL? And I'm going, what, what is 3PL? And what are you doing about warehousing? And what are you doing about this? And what are you doing about that? And I'm like, well, I don't even know what to do about those things. So you tell me what I'm doing. But the fact that they, when you talk to people, they will come to you with ideas and knowledge, right? So it's like, don't hide your, don't hide the fact that you don't know everything um, because people are always willing to help you create your dreams, right? So then the other part to that is once I got product, um, I didn't know how I was going to sell it. So I, at the time I took sort of the online version of the yellow pages in the local area that I lived in. So I founded the company out of Hermosa beach. So you see the surfboard in the background. Um, and, um, you know, I started selling, I started selling underwear under a tent on the beach, right. To people who could care less about underwear, probably weren't wearing underwear and certainly didn't want to talk to me about underwear. Right. Um, that's my sort of version of the two guys in a garage startup. But I also in this online, um, online version of the yellow pages, um, I found what I considered men's stores. I didn't know there were such things as men's boutiques. I assumed because women have boutiques and, um, and I drove all over, uh, orange County, LA County. And I walked into stores with my little bag of samples and said, Hey, do you want to see my underwear? And that's kind of how I started this whole thing. And some of those people are some of my best customers even today, even though the product I had at the time was not up to par. So, but it was the, it was relationship driven. And that's part of what I love too about this business. Absolutely. Relationships are everything. And and I think, 
I think you, you said everything right there is just asking for people and, and letting people know what you're doing and they'll get in the fight with you and they, they want to help. They will. Yeah. I mean, even my customers get in the fight with me. They're like, no, Teresa, you got to do this. You got to think about this. Do you know about trade shows? I'm like, well, I know I try to avoid trade shows when I've been told to go to them with clients in other parts of the business, but they're like, oh no, there's these things, there's these things called men's clothing trade shows. I'm like, oh wow. Okay. So let's figure out where, where those are. How do we get to those? Right. Well, that, that just shows you, you have to be nimble in this deal. And when people give you a good idea, you kind of have to go with it, you know, and yeah, absolutely. And ask questions. And when people say something to you, you know, you, you, it's okay to not know. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Even though I started a business and you'd think I would have done that kind of planning. I mean, this is why it's frightening for me to talk about like this right now is like, okay, you were super, super naive. I didn't even know what questions to ask. Oh man. Well, I love the hook. Let's talk about underwear. Okay. There Let's you talk go. about underwear. Yeah. That's you want to talk about underwear right now? You see my underwear. Absolutely. <laughs> you worn my underwear, Scott. I do. I do every yeah. day. Every day. Uh, uh, <laughs> lost my train of thought. Uh, You're blushing a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, it got warm in the room. I don't know. Um, so fun facts. I love that on the website. And, and can we talk just a little bit about things maybe you've learned throughout the time and, and uh, you like the average age of a man's underwear? you know, and just fun. Yeah. Things. Yeah. So I, I think the statistic is maybe a few years old, but I think it still resonates, right? It might have a little variation on it, but you know, it was a couple years ago, it was put out in one of the major magazines that the average age of a man's underwear drawer is seven years old. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know. So, so when I say this in mixed company, men and women together, the women are going, you know, cringing, going, oh, you know, and the guys are going, woo. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, pretty <laughs> older, right? So, but at the but within within twenty four forty eight hours a week, whatever it is, if a woman is is uh, living with one of these guys that has an old underwear drawer, you can bet it's been cleaned out. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, exactly. Yeah. The name. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. So, um, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's uh, underwear is. Um, Nobody wants to think about it. It's such a basic, but you know, people who have never worn good underwear don't actually know what it does for you. Right. Um, but when you try a pair of good underwear, whether it's wood or something else, I hope it's wood, um, that they're like, oh, wow, okay, I, I get it. It makes everything else I've spent so much time and effort buying and spending money on and spending my time on um, feel so much better and look so much better. And you know, it's the first thing you put on. It's the last thing you take off. So let's talk about horses. So oh, okay. we're going to jump from underwear to horses back to underwear. So, um, if so you have bad underwear on, on a horse, it can probably feel pretty bad. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So you grew up riding. I did. So what discipline did. and what did you do? So uh, high school, high, most of high school, I mean, all of high school, I had my little Mustang, uh, my Mustang, she was more of a mutt, but um, she was uh, at least half Mustang, little Midnight was her name, uh, black with a beautiful white blaze, and um, she and I did uh, Jim Canna events, so uh, all local. Um, I did not have a, a, a trailer, so a girlfriend and I would sometimes no joke have to ride three hours one way to get to these events 
and then ride three hours back at the end of a very long, hot day in Southern California. Um, and then if we won anything big that we couldn't carry, feed or hay or whatever, we'd have to uh, beg, borrow, and plead that for somebody to drop it off somewhere we, where we could also have somebody pick it up for us. So it, it was a blast. She, uh, Midnight kept me out of a lot of trouble that I probably could have gotten in. <laughs> uh, it, it's good. That, so that was your, your wing person, your wing she horn. Was, yeah, she and, yeah, she and my girlfriend and, uh, yeah, we were, yeah, my wing person. She kept yeah. me out of trouble. I don't know if wing, wing people or wing women, wing men keep you out of trouble necessarily. Sometimes they help you get into trouble, Absolutely. Uh, but she, uh, she certainly, I know she kept me out of some trouble. That's wonderful. And that's commitment riding a horse three hours to go to the show. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's not even, doesn't even have to be that far. I mean, I, I'm, uh, I went to high school in a little unincorporated area between Riverside and San Bernardino counties and, um, the, uh, close to, close to Norco. Nor most of our, I guess, bigger events, further events were Norco. So yeah, some of those we had to ride for ride three hours from our little place to go get to and through the washes and yeah, just fun. A whole other side of Southern California that people know about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So well, cool. but I have a I have a I have a big love of horses and I, I think I um I, I don't remember if I told you this exactly, but not too long ago, um, I was in a situation where I had some time during the day and I decided I wanted to learn jumping. So I grew up Jim Canna, right? So all Western saddle. I mean, I've got team ropers in the family, so um, it's all been Western saddle oriented. And um, so I, I go and have to decide if I can ride in an English saddle, which was actually not a not that big a deal, but um, I turning right became a problem. It's the weirdest thing. It's not that you can't do it because a lot of Jim Canna events, you know, you'll have two lefts and a right. So you still have a, you still have a right, but it's not your focus. Right. Every time you go around an arena for team roping or whatever, most of you go on left in a Western saddle. Absolutely. So it's like, wow. I mean, my coach at the time, he's like, uh, you just need to go right. I'm like, I'm trying to go right. It just doesn't work. <laughs> so it's not natural to me to have to make a right turn all the time. So anyways, just, uh, uh so funny, just a learning experience for myself. I never thought about it before. Absolutely. So, so was that the bigger learning experience or was it going into uh, men's underwear, luxury underwear? Uh, no, men's underwear for sure. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. Yeah, no, I, for I sure. Think so. Yeah. So, yeah, so I mean, with the branding, you know, you can just tell the branding is so great and, and, and it's the colors are so bright. It's just it, it looks good, it feels good to wear, but it does look good. So, so as far as um, promotions, I know you've had a lot of promotions. You're so great at marketing. What are some of your more fun promotions that you've done to, you know, market, you know, wood underwear? Oh uh, God! So, yeah. So, so a couple things. So, one, we build we build our product and our packaging and our color palettes for men, right? So we try to make it not breakable. So if you're doing your own laundry or whatever, you can't break it. The, <laughs> pack, the packaging is pizza box style. Everybody knows how to open a pizza box, right? Mm -hmm. um, the, our, our color palette. There, we sort of have a locker room test, but it really, really starts with sort of collegiate colors. So if you look across the country, we start with collegiate colors everybody knows and loves. Um, and I can't sell orange in Alabama, for example, in Southern Alabama. Um, <laughs> but um, the, uh, 
the locker room test, you know, we don't get too crazy with our fashion prints and stuff um, because it is a matter of, you know, making men feel comfortable staying on the sexy side of sex, not sex, but sexy, um, not being a little bit provocative, but not, you know, airing, go, not going too far. Right. right. Um, now, having said that, um, we have sponsored team team men's volleyball teams on the beach beach volleyball teams and they play in underwear so um there's a there is a um a very competitive uh volleyball tournament in manhattan beach called the uh, sacred six man and um certainly in years past it has been seriously over the top uh highly competitive players world-class athletes and they dress in costume so you've got people out there from major sports like major sports athletes olympic athletes playing in like bumblebee costumes or oh french made outfits or whatever so our guys play in wood underwear so uh it sounds a little provocative but they're they're not the they're not the most wild thing out there so uh, it's been kind of fun that way oh that's so great that's so great uh and uh they, they probably look a lot better than a bumblebee too don't they <laughs> oh my goodness so so what, what what's next for wood underwear what's next for you what what's what's the plans for 2021 uh well 2021 we hope um we hope our stores can open back up and be healthy we love our stores we love main street um and uh i mean we have a website as well woodunderwear.com but um we really love our stores main streets you know they keep they're the lifeblood of america they're lifeblood of our neighborhoods and our and our towns um, across the across the United States. So it's it's really about you know how do we support these guys in getting back to business and getting back to their business of business and um, um, you know we do we do whatever we can to to support them too. So it's going to probably be more of the same. We've we've done a little bit of regrouping this year or, uh, around our offering. Um, it's been an opportunity actually to do that. So if you find, uh, you know, the lemonade out of the lemons this year, that has been it. Um, so that we can tailor a little bit more to customer need and their customers needs too. So that's more, more of the same in 2021. We'll be introducing probably some new products towards the end of the year, always new color palettes. Very exciting. Uh, Very exciting. Yeah, well, I love the website. So when people want to buy wood underwear, I'm sure they're going to want to, I'm sure there's already a, a big following for y'all, but there's going to be hopefully a new, new group of people wanting wood underwear. And uh, how do they find you? So I know the website is wood underwear and they can buy online. And they can. Stores, there's a store locator. Is that correct? There is. There's a store locator. We are in roughly 300 stores across the United States. We're fairly evenly distributed. So, you know, you probably can find somebody close to you or even call them up and, you know, use their.com. Um, you know, we, we can support stores that way um, by going direct to their, to these small store uh, websites too, or just calling them and having them deliver but um, both, both ways, storelocator and woodunderwear.com. And then we've got, we do have a special code. I don't know if you want to tell everybody about it or if oh, you like. Yeah, yeah, you can do it. That's great. Yeah. That's okay. So um, for the rest of, uh, for the rest of 2020, um, if you, if you go to woodunderwear.com um, at checkout, you can use the code. It's a, it's cowboy 2020 with a capital C. So capital C cowboy 2020 It's like all one word. Um, and uh, that gives you a 20%, you know, discount to try something. And, um, 
you know, by the end of the year, it applies to the whole website. So uh, hopefully people can take advantage of that and go give us a shot. Absolutely. And I can't say enough great things about it. And I love the promo code and, and uh, I, I really am uh, honored just to be a part of the team. Um, and uh, I appreciate you being on the show today. Absolutely. I, I can't wait for people at NFRs to ask you if you're wearing what underwear, if they're going to, if you if, uh, if, if you can show them your underwear. I, you know what, for the brand, I guess we'll have to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure I'm going to be asked. I'll, I'll tell you what, once we announced it on our social media, the, the phone was ringing and people were asking about it for sure. And, Good. and uh, it, it's just a great brand and I appreciate everything you're doing. Thanks for being on the show. We appreciate you. We appreciate you very much. We're excited to, um, to get to work with you. Yeah, us too. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm Scott Knutson with the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show, heard on KCAA Wednesdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. And who doesn't want to start their workday off in the best possible way? I certainly do. How about starting with some great basics? The foundation, underwear and undershirts. Underwear has often been an afterthought, especially for us men. We never think about it at all, but I never have. I can tell you from personal experience, the clothes you wear will feel much better if you have the right underwear. It gives you that extra edge of confidence. And who doesn't want confidence? And you'll look better too. The company Wood Underwear makes great underwear that is approachable and accessible. At the right price point, you can feel comfortable buying it and wearing it. They're having some fun with the name, and while the, the name might bring you in, the product's going to bring you back. It is a great material, and I use it every day. My friends at Wood want you to try it. So they came up with a promo code just for Cowboy Entrepreneur listeners. Use the code COWBOYBRIEF at checkout on woodunderwear.com for 20% off your first order. I guarantee you're going to like it. This offer ends August 31st. I know you're not going to wait that long. Woodunderwear.com. Use the promo code COWBOYBRIEF for 20% off this amazing product, Wood Underwear. Thank you to all the great sponsors of the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. If you or your business is interested in being a sponsor of the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show, please call our office at 830-992-1786 or visit our website, cowboyentrepreneur.com. With 60 years of fascinating facts, this is the man from yesterday. Back in time, this time to 1989, Charlie Hustle non-gratis baseball commissioner Bart Giamatti announces that Cincinnati Reds manager Pete Rose is banned for life for betting on his own team. Pete Rose becomes the 15th person banned for life in baseball history. After six months of denials by him, delving by baseball, and delays through the courts, Pete Rose was banished from the game for life. And from this time in 1988, Larry King, late-night radio talk show host, is now heard on 322 stations. And Larry King conducts a nightly interview program on cable news network. He has a new book out, Tell It to the King. All this coincide with the fact that had John Lennon lived, he would have been 48 years old on Sunday. At our studios in New York is Yoko Ono. Last week, her late husband was posthumously honored with a star on Hollywood's 
Walk of Fame. And from 1958 CBS TV, Saturday Night, Perry Mason, The Gale Storm Show, Gunsmoke, and Have Gun Will Travel, starring Richard Boone. Paladin, Paladin, where do you roam? Have Gun Will Travel, reach the card of a man. With more at manfromyesterday.com. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. Green X Turf and Landscaping reminds all area listeners to please get out and donate blood to salute the brave men and women of our armed forces that are overseas. Every pound of blood donated locally can save one or two brave soldiers overseas. So salute our troops, give back the gift of life by giving the gift of blood. This reminder from Green X Turf and Landscaping, serving the area with pride and integrity. For the best in landscaping and lawn maintenance, call the pros today at 909-994-7097. That's 909-994-7097. Or go to greenxturf.net. 